It is a joy to to be with you again um, as we share this uh, uh, topic. Um, well, forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. I, I think um, this is a topic that very few people would want to listen to, particularly when they're going back home. I see we're just 21 of us. Um, and it could be for many reasons. You could have left home someone who has hurt you. It could be your spouse. It could be your brother. It could be your stepmother, um, stepfather. It could be a child. And so now you're going to meet them again. So it's not easy to talk about something that uh, probably God has been uh, convicting you of, uh, even as you spent your day uh, at work or wherever you were. And I also figure that forgiveness is probably one of those topics that uh, really get as many amends as uh, topics on giving, uh, topics on uh, on uh, on uh, prayer, topics on overcoming destiny killers, etc., uh, etc. Et and uh, and so I do believe that uh, uh, this might be a, 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 an interestingly tough topic to go through together, but. Uh, becoming a forgiving person. Our text is uh, taken from Luke chapter 6, verse 36 38. Um, I, I, I will take it from 36, though the reference was from 37. 36 says, Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it shall be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be used to you. Praise the Lord. Um, so, so I think that the, the beginning point for us is to understand what forgiveness is um, before we even try to study how to become forgiving people. Forgiveness uh, in the context of God and in the context of the Bible is uh, God's promise not to count our sins, ag- our sins against us. And this reminds uh, me of 1 Corinthians 13 when uh, uh, the Spirit of God uh, uh, is writing about love. Paul, through the inspiration of the Spirit, he says that love does not keep a record of wrong. So, so the beginning point is to understand that forgiveness is to not count sins against another. Uh, Psalm 32 and 1 said, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. So it, that's, that's where we begin from as the church, to understand that, that forgiveness is the covering of fault. It is the not keeping a record of wrongs that have been committed against us. Uh, and, and, uh, and he goes on, uh, and, and we see in Psalm 103, when David, under the inspiration of the Spirit, is singing this psalm to the Lord. He says, bless the Lord of my soul and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And the very first things he counts in terms of forgetting not all his benefits he says he forgives all my sins. He forgives all my sins. So it's not counting sin. Forgiveness itself is therefore the letting go of sin. It includes forgiving everyone, every time, of everything as an act of obedience and gratefulness and gratitude to God. I'll say that again. It includes forgiving everyone, it includes forgiving everyone, every time of everything, as an act of obedience and gratefulness to God. It acknowledges the sacrifice God made through his son, Jesus Christ, who died to restore the relationship between God and man. Forgiveness does not mean excusing, forgetting, permitting repetition of the sinful act against you, or guaranteeing reconciliation with with the perpetrator. It is it is really more to do with setting yourself free 
not counting that sin against them. And that is why Martin Luther King Jr. says, forgiveness does not mean ignoring what has been done or putting a false label on the e- uh, label on an evil act. It means rather that the evil act no longer remains as a barrier to the relationship. Forgiveness is a catalyst creating the atmosphere necessary for a fresh start and a new beginning. And if we are to understand forgiveness, friends, uh, the, the best illustration of forgiveness is found in Matthew 18, verse 21 to 25. There Jesus talks about the parable of the unforgiving servant. And interestingly, that portion of scripture begins with a question. That portion of scripture begins with a question in verse 21. And the question Peter asked Jesus is, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. And I think probably that is a question we grapple with as Christians. As Christians, how many times must I forgive so and so for the sin they continually do towards me? How many times, Lord? The last time she did it, the last time he did it, I forgave. How many times? How many times? And so how many times becomes how many times? And, And Peter makes a suggestion and says seven times. Because seven, Lord, really means perfection. So if we get it seven times, I am good, I am done. And Jesus answered and tells him, I tell you not seven times, but 70 times seven. And, 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 and that is the heart of God. There is no end to forgiveness, brethren. There is no limit to how much we should forgive. And then Jesus, in, in that parable from verse 23 to verse 35, talks about the kingdom of heaven. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. And uh, this is interesting that the, the king would ask that the family and the lineage all be sold to repay the debt. And sometimes that's how we behave. You are angry with Andrew for a sin he committed against you, and you transfer that anger to his children and to his wives or wife, depending on what faith he subscribes to. But since we're Christians, I hope it is only one. So my wife and my children, you cluster us into one basket and say, because Andrew wronged me, these two are sinners. So the king punishes him, his wife, and children to be sold. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. And I want you to note this. He was asking for patience so that he can pay back everything. But the king did something different. Verse 27, the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. And I want you to note the difference. 10,000 bags of gold to 100 silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and, and, and went and told Everything that had happened, servant, just as I had on you. In anger, his master handed him into the, over to the jailers to be tortured, to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat you, each one of you, unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Praise the Lord. So first and foremost, this is a very vivid illustration of how we behave in life. And God's requirement is that we should be forgiving our brethren, our brothers and sisters, our uncles and aunties, our whoever they are, we must forgive them from our hearts. And therefore, what does this teach us? This teaches us that one, Forgiveness is a command. 
Colossians 3.13 says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive one, anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So friends, we begin from that angle that forgiveness is a command. We must remember the Lord forgave us, so we must forgive. Second thing about forgiveness is that it's not negotiable. It's a priority. It is more to do with our relationship with God. In Matthew 5, 23 and 24, uh, we read that God says that if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember, he even isn't talking about the fact that you went there with knowing, but you remember that there is a grievance against you. He says, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer a sacrifice to God. In Mark 11 and 25, he says, but when, not if, but when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive you. Since no wonder the Lord's prayer or the Lord's pattern of prayer, he says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. So we make our forgiveness from God, the forgiveness from God, dependent on how we are forgiving others. Forgive as we forgive. So if, if, if you're requiring complete forgiveness from God, then you ought to be giving complete forgiveness to others. Praise the Lord. Number three, forgiveness isn't an excuse of one's offense to you or an admission that the other person is right. Uh, Paul Young, in a very interesting movie and book entitled The Shark, uh, wrote and said, Excuse anything. You may have to declare your forgiveness with a lion of his holiness. Forgiveness. It's not an excuse, but it's a declaration. Something you do continually, every single day. It does not excuse their behavior, but it prevents their behavior from destroying your heart. I'll say that again. Forgiveness does not excuse their behavior. Forgiveness prevents their behavior from destroying your heart. And so it is important, it is imperative, that even as we approach this topic of becoming uh, a forgiving person, we should remember that forgiveness is not much about forgetting, but it's about letting go of another person's throat. Remember the servant, when he got out and found the person who had wronged him, who was in his debt, he choked him. That is what forgiveness is about. It's about letting go of another person's throat. Anger is probably the only response we give when something wrong is done to us. But we should not let the anger and the pain and the loss we feel prevent us from forgiving those people and removing our hands from around their neck. As we see in verse 28 of Matthew 18, but when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. had just been forgiven 10,000 bags of gold. But a hundred silver coins, he grabbed him and choked him. He grabbed him and began to choke him. So forgiveness is releasing, releasing your grip around that person's neck. So whoever you have been holding a grudge against, whoever you've been holding and, 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 uh, and uh, not forgiving and releasing, what you are really doing is that you're choking them. What you're really doing is that you are literally choking them. And so forgiveness calls us, forgiveness calls us to release, to release this other person's throat. And having understood what forgiveness is, it is a command. It is non-negotiable. It's a priority to God. It's not an excuse of another person's uh, sins, but it is you releasing the hold. And every time, now it's, I think, a time we, 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 Imagine that for every single person we have not forgiven, we've been choking the life out of them. We've been like Cain around Abel's neck. We have been choking the life out of them, like Moses around the Egyptian 
uh, uh, Egyptian who beat up an, an, a slave. We have been choking them. We have been clutching their neck. That's what we have been doing. Now, just think about that person. You have not been forgiving. And remember that your hands are around them, choking the life out of them. And so when we, when we have that in context, when we have that in mind, then we understand that it is imperative that we become forgiving people. And to become a forgiving person, number one, you must take the initiative. God is not asking you to wait for that person to come and ask for forgiveness. He's asking you that when you pray, the first thing you should be is forgive all those that have wronged you. And interestingly, oftentimes those people do not even know that they've wronged us. Those people are not even aware that they've wronged us. They've, they, they, they're probably oblivious of the fact that they've wronged us. And so that is why God is saying as when you pray, forgive. When you pray, forgive. When you pray, first forgive those who have wronged you. You are the one who knows that they wronged you. The first prerogative for God is forgive. And he's saying, take the initiative. Take the initiative. Because of what God did for us, we ought not to be reminded to forgive. Remember that in Matthew 18, when, uh, when uh, the servant had to be reminded, he was not being reminded to forgive. He was actually being thrown to torture us, to torture him until he pays back. Matthew 6, 14 to 15 says, If you forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. Those are the terms of engagement. Those are the terms of engagement. So take the initiative. Forgive. Because God is commanding you to first forgive when you pray. Number two, it's not dependent on the offender. You don't for only forgive when someone asks for forgiveness. Forgiveness is for your benefit. Hallelujah. Tidijek says that I think the first step is to understand that forgiveness does not exonerate the perpetrator. Forgiveness liberates the victim. It is a gift you give yourself. It is you give your by forgiving you for you, you're giving yourself a gift you're releasing you're liberating yourself you are liberating yourself you are liberating yourself from this prison that you're casting those people it might not it might not be a physical prison but it might be a prison of your heart you have held this person for 20 years you can't even go home when your brother has gone home. You don't go home. You don't share your bed anymore with your spouse because you have not forgiven them. You're in another room. You, you have carried them in your heart for five years. You are there imprisoning them in your heart. And while you're imprisoning them in your heart, your hands are choking them. You release them. You liberate yourself. You forgive. You liberate yourself. Number three, it is a response to what Christ has done for us. It is a response to what Christ has done for us. And when we read to uh, Ephesians uh, uh, chapter um, chapter four and verse verse thirty two, it says, "Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you." But just to the earlier point about forgiveness, releasing yourself, probably we need to read verse thirty-one. Verse thirty-one of Ephesians four says, "Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with any form of malice. And if there is anything that resembles unforgiveness, there are those things: anger, bitterness, rage." Slander, brawling, malice. So you liberate yourself from these things when you forgive. And when you forgive, you're doing it as a response out of worship. So if you're a true worshiper of God, is worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. Having a forgiving heart is imperative because you're responding. We become forgiving people because we respond to what Christ has done for us. And therefore he says, 
be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And that is why the master called the servant in and was angry with him in verse 32 to 33 and said, you begged me and I canceled your debt. He was actually begging for time to pay. He canceled the debt. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? You might be arguing that, but the wrong he committed against me was worse. He committed adultery. There is no sin that cannot be forgiven except blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. All other sins are forgiven. The adulterous woman was brought to Jesus and Jesus says, if you have not done sin, cast the first stone. They left one by one and Jesus asked, where are your accusers? They said they are left and then he said, I condemn you not. What is that sin? He lied to you. She lied to you. She stole from you. He, what is that sin that cannot be forgiven? We are required to show mercy as we have received mercy. Number four, we must understand that becoming a forgiving person is a choice. It's a decision. You have to decide. It's not a feeling. Therefore, we cannot say, I, will wait. I, can't, I haven't yet felt like I can forgive this person. You never feel it. Like any command, you choose whether or not to obey it. We've already seen in Colossians 3 and 13 that the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive. It is a command. You must choose. And as we've read, and uh, from from as we've read, it is something you do every day. You make a choice to do it every day. You say it to yourself: "I forgive so and so." Even when it comes those those memories that devil throws, those memories, you remind him: "I forgive this person. I forgive this person." And the interesting thing is that the more you do it, the more it becomes second nature. So don't wait to feel like forgiving. Forgive. Forgive, decide to. It is a process. It is a repeated act. You become a forgiving person out of practice. You become a forgiving person out of practice. That is why Jesus says forgiveness is 70 times 7. In Matthew 18.22, it's not a one-off. You might need to remind yourself daily to forgive that person. You need to tell yourself, I forgive so-and-so for this and that. I forgive so-and-so for this and that until it becomes a renewed state of your mind. And to be able to say, Jesus, I thank you that you died for me and you forgave me of my sins. And in appreciation of what you've done for me, I forgive so-and-so. I forgive so-and-so. So understand that it is a process. Martin Luther King Jr. says, forgiveness is not an occasional act, it's a constant attitude. And no wonder Proverbs 17 and 9 says, love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. Dwelling on it separates close friends. So friends, we become, we become forgiving persons when we realize what Christ has done for us when we realize that that lie that we told does not exonerate us, whether it's a white, a green, a blue, a purple lie, whatever color you give it does not exonerate you from God. It does not exonerate you, sorry, from hell. It would have still taken you to hell. But you and I are here and forgiven because Christ said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Because Christ says, I forgive them. I forgive your sin. For every single person Jesus healed, most of the time he says, your sins are forgiven. So our sins are forgiven. Forgive others. Forgive others. Let not your imprisonment be the permanent attitude of their lives. Let your hands release the hold around their necks. For us to become forgiving persons, we must be strong. Mahatma Gandhi said, uh, Mahatma Gandhi said that uh, the weak can never forgive. Forgiveness is the attribute of the strong. Indeed, holding a grudge really doesn't make you strong. It makes you bitter. 
Hey, you can't say, I won't say how long I will not forgive this person, say how strong I am. It only makes you bitter. Forgiving doesn't make you weak. It sets you free. And actually, talking of uh, strength and forgiveness, I wonder if we were Joseph in Genesis and our brothers sold us as a slave, how many of us will be forgiving when uh, the brothers come uh, to buy wheat and grain? I think most of us might have shown a bit of power. Made them a slave for a couple of months, got them to know what it feels them to be tempted by Potiphar's wife and uh, to be forgotten in prison by the, the cup bearer. Let them also have a feel of what I went through. But even though they lied to him in chapter 50, saying that, uh, oh, you know, dad said uh, before he died that you forgive, for his sake you forgive our sin. He said, I am not in the place of God to judge. What you intended for evil, the Lord used for good. How many of us would be so gracious to our brothers. Oh, are we in the position, we are in a better position, but because our brothers mistreated us or our sister mistreated us as we are growing, we've made them pay. Everything they ask from us, they have to first scream and squeal, not knowing that the Lord has put us in a better position to lift them up, to help them. So think about Joseph. Think about the unforgiving servant. Who are you today? As we said already, forgiveness sets us free. That's the next point. And therefore becoming a, 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 a forgiving person, must, we must understand that forgiveness sets us free. When he didn't forgive in verse 34, his master handed over him over to jailers to be tortured. Can you imagine what that was like? His full liberation could have only come in showing the same mercy received to his fellow servant. I now believe that what God has done for me can never be complete until I extend it to somebody else. In liberating others, we ultimately liberate ourselves. And I know we love Luke 6, 38. We quote it usually when we're talking about giving offerings and, uh, and gifts. They'll come back, pressed down, shaken together. But, I, but as I studied this, I thought to myself, oh, we cannot read verse 38 in isolation of verse 36, 37, and 36 and 37. And so when God says in verse 38, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It seems to me, and, uh, and, and I hope I'm, I, I could be wrong, but it seems to me that if you are unmerciful, if you're judgmental, if you are condemning, if you are unforgiving, it shall come back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. If you're merciful, if you don't judge, if you don't condemn, if you're, for, if you're forgiven, you're forgiving person, that will come back to you, back to you, to be given back to you by God, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It will be poured into your lap. What you do comes back to you, pressed down, shaken together. The, must, the servant in, verse, uh, in chapter 18 of Matthew, the Bible says that when he, when he, he didn't do what he didn't show mercy. Whatever came back to him, came down, came back to him, pressed down, shaken together, and ran him over. He was given to be tortured until he paid back 10,000 bags of gold. I don't know how long he was going to be tortured. You can see how good measure it was, how pressed down it was, how shaken together it was, and how running over. So do you need mercy? Be merciful. Do you need not to be judged, do not judge. Do you need uh, uh, not to be condemned, do not condemn. Do you need to be forgiven, forgive. Forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover only that that prisoner all along was you. So friends, as, uh, as, 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 as we look into this idea of, of, of forgiveness, 
as we look into this idea of forgiveness, you and I need to understand together that forgiveness is setting yourself free. It is setting yourself free. It isn't about the other person. It isn't about anyone you're thinking about. It is about setting yourself free. And therefore, ask yourself this evening, do I want to be free? Do I want to be set free? Or am I enjoying the hold that I have against this person's life? Why are you still holding that person? Why are you why do you feel that? Uh, and I, the, the fun thing is, well, you, 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 you forget about the fact that you've come to worship and the person is lifting up hands and all you're doing is me. So that is why forgiveness is all about yours. It's, it's, it's really you. It is you. It is you that is, is redeeming yourself. It is you that is setting yourself free. It is you that is releasing this person and stop choking the life out of them. You're simply saying, today I release this person. Therefore, for us to be forgiving persons, we must, we must first and foremost, we must first and foremost decide together to know that forgiveness is an act of obedience to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Forgiveness is an act of obedience to God. That is the first thing. You forgive because you're obedient. You forgive, you become a forgiving person because it's you're being an obedient child of God. Number two, we become, we choose to become forgiving persons. Because it's a form of worship, we appreciate what Christ has done for us. And because we appreciate what Christ has done for us, we make a deliberate decision to be a forgiving person. We make it our daily habit to be a forgiving person. Because we know that the measure we give is the measure we receive. And as uh, Susan prayed in the, in the, in the prayer, and what is key? She said, we, can't, we, we, we have the help we need. We, God, you are helping us in this regard. And he says in John 15, that without me, you can do nothing. And that is why in Ephesians 5 and verse 1, particularly the message version says this, watch what God does and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Watch what God does and then do it. We become forgiving children because now we are of the family of God and in the family of God, we forgive those who offend us. We copy what our father is doing and we do it. We might not enjoy it, we might not fi find it nice and, uh, and, 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 and celebratory for you to do it, but we do it because in God's family, we do it. We forgive. When I was growing up, there are certain things we did as a family. I didn't have to enjoy it, but we fetched water. I didn't have to enjoy it, but we washed dishes. I didn't have to enjoy it, we cooked food. I didn't have to enjoy it, but we cleaned. Because that is the way things were done in my father and mother's house. And therefore, now that we are part of the family of God, isn't it time that you and I behaved like children of God. And therefore, implemented, because the word is in Matthew 18, verse 23, says the kingdom of heaven is like this. And therefore, when we pray, Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. What we are saying is that we as the children of God, enforcers of the kingdom of God, ambassadors of Christ, 
we forgive because our father in heaven forgives as his children we are going to forgive because because our father in heaven lends us children of god we are going to lend as because our father in heaven is holy we the children of god will be holy we are because now we are in a different citizenship he delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have forgiveness redemption even the forgiveness of sins so that is why you and i forgive that is why we become forgiving people because we are of the family of god we are of the family of god we can and and, and listen sometimes unforgiveness is just simply because you you don't understand why we're celebrating you're like the the the, the son of of of, of or the brother to the prodigal son the prodigal son is back home but you're having a pity party people are celebrating his return you're having a pity party you are there people are celebrating Christ and his kingdom but because of unforgiveness you're having a pity party and i challenge us today that as children of the most high god as children chosen by him will make it a prerogative to watch what our father does and do it what does jesus say whatever i say my father do i do where here you're claiming you want the gift of healing why don't you start with forgiving you here you want the gift of deliverance but why not start with forgiving you here you want breakthrough other cattle on the thousand hills other gold and silver but you have not forgiven the person who took your 1000 and has never returned you still remind them that my debt my debt my debt and probably that is where god is calling us even as we come through the holy week of remembering the crucifixion of Christ and and father forgive them for they know not what they do it is finished their debt is cancelled all the way through through saturday and 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 resurrection sunday and 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 monday and now tuesday probably the reminder that why i went to the cross was not only to die for your sins but so that you could receive forgiveness and give it to those people who have wronged you praise the lord do i still have people amen so you we need to ask each other this evening are you the servant in matthew 18 who is choking life out of his fellow servant are you who are you the child who is watching what god is doing and you're doing likewise you're releasing the hold around their neck you're releasing the things they've said about you you're releasing the things that you've had being said about you you're letting go of the of your spouse who hurt you your child who hurt you your sibling your parent your stepfather your stepmother I know there for some you even said I will never forgive this one. But probably it's time now you release to let go of that hold around their neck. Let go of that hold around their neck and 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 and, and you forgive. And 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 as I come to a close um where are your hands? Are your hands around the your sister your mother your brother your cousin your parent your uncle your auntie your stepmother stepfather your classmate the one who you know stole your marks at all level where, where is your hold where is your hands where are your hands are they right around them are they holding the gavel are they knocking down on judgment guilty 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 where are your hands Have you released those hands so that you can thereby release yourself? Where did you throw the prison key to your heart? Where you've held it? You're like, yeah, they may hold grudges. For me, even thirty years, I can hold a grudge. So now, as uh, 
as we go into a moment of prayer, and as I hand over back to Susan to take us through a prayer moment, think about it. Where are your hands today? And as 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 you seek to become that that person, that, that forgiving person. Probably the first place to start is to release the hold around that person that hurt you. Your uncle might have raped you when you were young. Your auntie might have slept with you when you were young and you've held them hosted in your heart. Your uncle might have squandered your father's property after your father passed on. Your father's friend might have stolen from your father and you're still holding them. You've, you've condemned him, his wife and children all to prison. And yet your father in heaven grieves that his children are not behaving like him. Probably you're angry with the leadership at all sins. They have wronged you and you've held this grudge against them. Isn't it probably a time that you released that clutch around their neck? and used your hands for something better. The Bible says, clap your hands, all ye nations. Probably that is a good place to use your hands. And for you to, to lift up that brother and sister who has fallen and begged you for time, and you're saying, no, your debt has been canceled. I will not hold this sin against you. I do not agree with what you did, but I will not hold this sin against you. And so, Susan, uh, uh, I pray that for everyone who has been able to, to, to log in and, and be with us, there were 36 now, 34 of us, as we, as we meditate and as we go before God tonight, remember that forgiveness is a command. Remember that forgiving is what God's children do. That is their way of life. That is the kingdom of heaven. That is, let thy kingdom come. We forgive because our Father in heaven forgives. We watch what he does and we forgive. And so friends, as, as, as you think about it, as you close your eyes, as you, unless you're driving, please don't close your eyes if you're driving, but in that moment of prayer, start to think about those people whose necks you've been holding. Those people you have imprisoned in your heart. It's time to open that prison gate. It is time to open that prison gate. It is time. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Not next time when you meet that person. Now is the time release that clutch around that person's neck. So, open that prison gate. Let, let, let a prison door of your heart be released. Let the prison gates be opened wide. So that your imprisoned spirit that has been first bound in sin and nature's night, let your eyes diffuse a quickening ray, wake up from that dungeon that you've been in, so that your chains will fall off, your heart will be set free, you will rise and go forth and follow Jesus. As we sing in the famous hymn, And Can It Be That I Should Gain. So if Christ has forgiven you your sins, trust him enough that even those people who have hurt you are, your, are his children. Give them God with unforgiveness. We all struggle with this area in our lives. But tonight, let us release the clutch from our friends, from our sisters, from our brothers, from whoever that person be. Release the hold, release the hold, release the hold. Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks and praise for 
how can we become forgiving persons unless we understand that that is the pattern in your kingdom? It is a way your children behave, they forgive. And even though times come and they remember the things that have hurt them and remember the things that have offended them and they remember the things that have, and they bring pain and despair, you still tell us to forgive. It's a command. It is us watching you do something and we do it. So Jesus forgave because he saw you forgive. Jesus healed because he saw you heal. Delivered people because he saw you deliver. He preached about the kingdom of God because he saw you do that. And today may we release the clutch. We're releasing, we're letting go of people's necks. Because when we look at what you've done for us, we realize that you did not spill lesser blood for our iniquities than the one who we hold hostage. Lesser blood for us and our sins, which we call small sins, it was still your blood, full blood. You were peace for our transgressions. There's, there's nothing about quantity of blood because it was all our sin, not some of it, all of it. And so, Lord, as we let go of people's necks, as we let go of sin, as we choose not to hold grudges and, and, and wrongs against people, we pray, Lord, our God and King, that in your mercy, you'll walk this journey with us, encouraging us around the way, along the way, teaching us to still say, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. That Lord, our God and King, because you have forgiven us, we will from this day forward be forgiving persons to the praise and glory of your name, simply because that is how it is done in your kingdom. There is forgiveness. And if we do not show mercy, we will not have mercy. But now we know that in order for us to receive mercy, in order for us not to be judged, in order for us not to be condemned, in order for us to receive forgiveness, we need to do this in great measure because the measure we deal it with is the measure shall be dealt with us. So Lord, I pray that for everyone who has heard this message and more importantly myself, you will search us, oh Lord, and if there is any wayward way in us, that wayward way of unforgiveness, you will lead us in the way of everlasting. We release these people and we trust you to be God to them and, 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 and that Lord, your mercy and forgiveness will reach out to them. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' mighty name. We believe and we have prayed. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Andrew, for bringing forgiveness out clearly. And Amen. I do not want to spoil, I don't want to spoil this message. I want to say, may the good Lord bless you. And brethren, yeah, that's it. If you're holding anyone, release them. Release them because as he has said clearly, it's not that we, we, we have to enjoy the forgiveness, but we will enjoy that we, we will enjoy the fruit of forgiveness. Because I mean we, we need God to forgive us. And so it is us, we have to forgive. And I want to tell you that personally, when I hold grudges if i hold someone it really weighs down on me i do not know if it weighs on you yeah you have said probably it is too much i've forgiven him several times and i have you know i have written them off those ones that you have written off ask the lord to help you to heal you to forgive them ask the lord Ask the Lord, because as he said clearly, when the master, when the king forgave this man, you know, he went, but you know, we know the consequences. We know the consequences of Joseph forgiving, forgiving his brothers. You know, they, they were saved from the famine. You know, he would have chosen them to be killed. And you know, he would have no relative on earth. And, and, and though we cannot do it physically, some of us have killed our relatives. We have killed our colleagues. Let's ask the Lord actually to forgive us.
for holding those who are even dear to us. Let's ask the Lord to forgive us. Yes, let's ask the Lord to enable us to release them as the servant of the Lord has said. Yes, I am very sure holding people is not enjoyable. It's not enjoyable if we don't obey this command given us to us, given to us by our Father. Yes, as, as he has said, it is a form of appreciation. Father, as we appreciate you, we release. We release those that have hurt us. We release. Say it yourself. I release name them, those that you are releasing. Release them, release them, release them, and you'll be set free in the name of Jesus Christ. Hey, as we as we call ourselves the servants of the most high, as we call ourselves children of the most high God, yes, we need to release them. We need to release them. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your servant who has spoken to us clearly, oh God. Yes, we know forgiveness is a personal choice. And Father, I pray that everyone connected here, Lord, throughout this night, this night, you will clear them. You will. It is okay to cry. It is okay. He sees each tear that falls. He sees each day that falls. He hears when we say we have forgiven. He hears. And it is for us to gain if we actually forgive. Yes, count it when he came and lay his life for us so that we can be forgiven. Lay your life. Lay that hurting that you have held, that grudge that you have held. And the Lord will, will, will restore you. Yes, we know that forgiveness blocks us. Father, Lord, open every door that has been closed because we have released your people, King of Kings. We worship you. We glorify your name. Thank you, Father, for it is in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that we have prayed. Amen.